Hello, welcome to Peripheral Thinking, my series of conversations with uh, artists, activists, advisors, entrepreneurs, people all working on ideas, championing ideas on the margins, on the periphery, because the ideas which will shape and inform the mainstream tomorrow are hiding there on those margins today. In this conversation, it's part two of the conversation with Richard Richard Wayne, um, who is a writer, a poet, a storyteller, among many other things, and has a has a book out. Um, the book is actually coming out. We don't. We completely forgot in a bad podcasting way to say when the book is coming out. So I can say that now. The book is coming out on the seventeenth of November, twenty twenty three. All of the notes um, in the, in the show notes, you'll find a link to pre order that or order it or buy it, as well as of course being able to buy it in all of the usual places. Uh, but in this part of the conversation, um, which follows part one, obviously it being a part two. So if you haven't listened to this, I'd suggest you go there first, which is you know some of the story behind the book which is in itself um kind of you know really helpful encouraging important listen uh but this in this part of the conversation we get into the book and into the writing and um richard shares some of that which is uh kind of really inspiring and and part of the reason I, i really enjoyed this conversation is that it was a kind of connecting of various threads behind this podcast Part of my own uh, inspiration for doing this was Jeremy Lent and um, his book, The Web of Meaning, has a, a great invitation at the end of that book um, that, you know, as the, the systems on which we've depended for the last 50 or 60 stroke thousand years, as they crumble and creak, people increasingly looking around for a new story uh, and that we all have an opportunity to help weave new story into culture. And so my this podcast is, in, in a way, my very, very small contribu- contribution to that. And uh, Jeremy's work and writing is also a big inspiration for uh, Richard. So there was a nice sort of retying of various threads in that, which was part of the reason that I really enjoyed the conversation here with Richard. And actually his book, um, you know, asks some really important big questions, but also super accessible questions that might help us plot a route through these changing times in which we live. Yeah, so uh, Richard, what would be really great uh, to kind of as a way to guide us into the book, why don't you um, start by, and and the reason I'm obviously really curious and keen about this is everything that we've been talking about, this idea of a kind of building precipice, which, you know, I feel, you feel, you know, is seen and responded, you know, we're seeing bubble up in in, across our our culture with individuals all over. I really sort of inspired by this idea that the kind of book, the writing, what you're, the intention, what the hope is to start helping people kind of navigate through this somewhat so um why don't you sort of um you know where, where's the best place to start to help us get into the book um i i think we'll uh, we'll start at the start that's the best place to start so uh i uh, the first poem in the book is is called introduction um and i'll read it for you now feel the breeze now steady and cool against your skin your senses raised to greet the chill. The early autumn leaves shift uneasily as if in memory of some unspoken doubt. Dew-soaked ground, a white-washed sun, reluctant somehow to embrace the jagged horizon. Each step reveals the broadening sky. Grizzled trees give way to shale as the old world falls away. The chasm before you dives sheer into mist. Lonely islands like driftwood on a shifting tide. 
dance with the waves and wisps of shadow. There is no way down, no path to lead you back. You're at the brink now. You have nowhere else to turn. Eyes drawn to the high hills, to the distant horizon. Impossible thoughts, curving light and shadow. Your heart beats faster now. It beats in anticipation of what lies beyond. You can feel the danger there in that untold wild. The hunting eyes, the webs of cruel uncertainty. But you feel something else too. Something that calls you. Something that knows why you are here. Something brave. Something new. And as you reach the cliff edge, you realise that you are not alone. There are other people stepping out from the tree line. So many people, moving as one. So different, yet the same. Shielding their eyes as they step into the light. They reach the edge. Look over and exchange concerned murmurings. Nervous glances. More and more step forward until the mile-long curve of the escarpment edge is hidden entirely by the gathered crowd. All fall silent. As one, they look out to the faraway mountains. A sense of knowing and not knowing passes between them. The knowledge of an ending. But more than that, a dawning awareness that beyond that ending, beyond the brink, is the beginning. The beginning of a new world. The ending of the old. Standing there, at the edge, everyone can see it. Yeah, that's really beautiful to um, to hear that. And I get, you know, got aware, obviously, as I am, of the conversation we've had up to now. But really, I get that sort of clear feeling of a, a kind of hopelessness or the isolation of the kind of of me, the individual in there, actually finding. Uh, kind of finding home, finding hope, finding ho- uh, solace in a sense in in the group, um, in the in the many, uh, and the the kind of the, the journey that flows from there. So I, I think there's a there are a number of aspects to it. One is the uh, sense of isolation that I feel from from time to time in in a fairly connected life. Um, I I can feel isolated and alone. And I know many, many people who have similar similar feelings. There was a point in my life where I realized that my three people I would call my best friends, a number of people, my closest family members, all of them male, uh, were all at one stage or another of dealing with, uh, with depression of some kind. Um, and that that made me think okay so this is a little microcosm of uh, of my community a little uh, you know potentially a microcosm of of the culture that i live in and everyone is depressed um now of course that you know not everyone would identify themselves as being depressed but that really struck me as as a point of okay this isolation and disconnection is a, is a is a disease that we need to find a cure for and when i when i look in somebody's eyes and uh and have a conversation about anything um like we're having a conversation just now that isolation goes away 
and the 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 fact that we can share the experience the fact that we can share a sense that we're moving somewhere together that is immediately a a, a simple form of 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 connection and and i think this that introduction for me really just as a way of leading from i can be in a point of despair and disconnection or i can be in a point of hopeful connection and potential to move forward and uh and that that journey i think is something that there's there's only one side of that that i want to end up on if you see what i mean so the 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 book as it um goes through each poem is uh separated by some some illustration but also by a, a set of questions that really the other questions that i was asking myself through the course of the throughtopia um masterclass but but there are also questions that that i think uh, just sort of guide my own reflections have been guided by these questions and and that was why i wanted them to be part of the part of the book i think that they can be helpful questions in that they're open and they leave space for interpretation but they're also sort of they have their own challenge so the the first of those questions if i step forward what kind of future will i find the idea of just okay so what if i take the first step towards something what if i take the first step towards uh writing a book what if i take the first step towards um i i don't know uh to b- being being more careful with uh, my my waste uh, at home what if i take the first whatever it is what does the future look like if i if i start to change that was the question that i was asking myself so it, jeremy's work in particular jeremy lent's work in particular uh was was the um inspiration for the next poem in the book which is a poem a poem called the future is already here and and the future is already here is 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 very much uh jeremy's words really and I, and i think it is entirely a sort of synthesis of 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 uh, of of his way of thinking which which helped me to interpret that question so the future is already here the future you seek is already here it's locked to the beat of your heart when the world that we weave is unwoven every thread that is left plays its part in weaving a new web of meaning in planting the seeds of belief a vision that follows the dreaming the root and the branch and the leaf all patterns are interconnected each fractal a sum of the whole our world in its chaos and glory a body at one with its soul its true source of power is compassion the calling so gentle and clear a whisper of wisdom and wonder for the future that's already here beautiful it's yeah, it sort of takes me back to um reading his book obviously Jeremy's book um we kind of mentioned in the earlier part of the conversation of Jeremy was actually I think probably my first first guest and also my motivation for doing this too and uh those words take me back to 
you know, a lot of that, the, the, the web of meaning that you reference in there, which is, you know, I guess, I guess the thing with a lot of this, which is, is actually how sort of inspiring and hopeful a lot of this work is a lot of inspire, how inspiring and hopeful, you know, your intent, your reasoning for the creating to, for the creating of the book, and how important, you know, this general idea of, um, of kind of story, which helps people kind of uh, navigate through to what is a, a kind of unknown future it does feel such an important uh, contribution to be making i think i think it's um uh yeah when you when you read something like you you've read sand talk have you read sand talk uh, tyson Winker porter when you, when you read something like that the the eloquence and the perspective on connection and the perspective on what it means to be part of an interconnected community in an interconnected world is is so radically beyond my understanding of of that or where that's come from and, and my cultural kind of baggage around uh, around interconnection and i feel like that story of what we are and what we're what we're made of and how how we are eventually and long ago all the same stuff that is such a it's such a great story and such a hopeful story an amazingly positive story and it and and it transcends so much and and you know many many people have have tried to tell that and and i think uh, tell it in ways that are way beyond my reach in terms of their perspective that they hold and the research that they've done and the just the huge amount that has gone into their work and i think that in this little book I'm trying to refine some of that in my own way so that I can reflect back on it um, with with my own sort of maybe slightly simpler perspective. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, I mean, but again, the, the need for simplify, because, you know, the enormity of what people like Jeremy or Tyson Yonkabota are doing, where they're taking, you know, taking these huge fucking ideas and just sort of to sort of distilling them into sort of real simplicity. And I guess, you know, so in a sense, they are, you know, in that kind of, uh, uh, that sort of classic, they, they are a channel, you know, and, you know, kind of uniquely placed as channels to bring these kind of huge ideas and and making it, simpl- making it simple, making it digestible. It's like, it's part of, it's the art, isn't it? It is, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's right. I'm curious for your, for your own thing, um, for in terms of kind of where where you are, um, we were talking before earlier about um, you know the, the being at precipice, the kind of feeling of, of kind of precipice, you know, kind of a long journey to an ever clarifying precipice, and um, the, how the ideas of Thrutopia kind of resonated. This need to articulate a route through. I was curious, you know, how how is your own underlying sort of thoughts, ideas, feelings around this changed as a result of writing the book? The main thing that's happened is that I have recognized that in allowing myself to step into an imaginative space, I have really reduced the space for any of that, um, any of that feeling of, of, of unease. The, the creative pursuit of writing a book has reframed everything that made me feel a sense of discomfort. It hasn't removed the sense of discomfort so much as redirected it into uh, something that feels positive and something that feels light and something that feels like I can get a handle on it. It's really just fueled a 
journey of um of of kind of growth and discovery and and allowed me to be a lot less harsh on myself and and uh I, you know what i would say is to anyone who's got any sense that writing might be something that helps them or that they can contribute to the world it's it, just spend the time you know it, it's um it's such a freeing thing to do and and has helped me to be better in my business at my family life at, at all of the other components of my life the energy that it creates for me is a, a transformative thing and um and i think that that again is is something that is probably shared by a lot of people the 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 those passions that that you have that unlock um energy and uh and and that really give you a chance to to uh recharge you know yeah i mean it's not an important question but i am kind of curious about what do you think what why is that what is what what's happening there why why is it by investing in this sort of creative pursuit which has maybe been trying to find its kind of outlet in in your life forevermore i mean in asking the question the answer is is kind of clear but i guess there's a kind of point isn't it the giving space to do that has kind of freed up so much for you essentially Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I I love the I love the activity of 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 writing, but it isn't just the activity that I love. I love the feeling of um, the feedback that my that my body gives me. I love the the feedback of the kind of unlocking of mental uh, processes. So I can find myself in. A, a work context, sometimes in a home context, locked, like I can't move forward mentally. And if I'm writing, that works its way out. You know, people journal, people write diaries, people write, I write poetry. And, and that that is a, a mechanism of interpreting and finding meaning in the world. You know, it's, it's effectively a, a sort of sense and meaning making exercise for me that reorders my thoughts. And, and it turns out makes everything else make a lot more sense. And so, in the in the spirit of um, Thrutopia and what the kind of intent and hope for that is there in terms of this sort of orientating, kind of navigating, storing our way through into this kind of new future. What are some of the other questions which you kind of rallied around within within the book? Which were some of the other question prompts for you? If we go to thinking about sort of a, a connection to nature, which is something that I think about a lot. It's a simple question and it might sound kind of trite, but do I pay attention to the beauty in the world? I'm very aware with my homeworking uh, kind of practices that I can sit in a darkened room for for eight hours at a time staring at a screen. And I have, uh, I'm very fortunate to have a woodland that is five minutes walk away, less than that. Do I appreciate that? Do I really appreciate that? Do I make the effort to see the moon do i make the effort to see uh the 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 fact that there are dippers living by this river that is just outside my house and they're extraordinary birds that are quite rare in this do i make the effort to go and see them and notice them um so that's a simple question do i pay attention to the beauty in this world but it redirects my occasionally hyper focused brain into yeah, I should check that out. I should go out and see if I can see a woodpecker or something. You know, wouldn't that be amazing? So that's that's a that's one question. Uh, you know, again, they're they're sort of big open questions, but they're questions that I I think are always worth repeating. So, am I alone or am I part of something bigger? 
it's so easy to feel alone in the world and uh, you know even with a family and with uh, people that I love and friends and sometimes I feel alone having a question like that in front of me helps me to see that potentially I'm well I'm, I'm not you know and, and I never have been but I think that that's a useful question sometimes to ask what will my grandchildren's lives be like it's so hard to think even five years ahead with the way that things are now but maybe I could imagine what my what my grandson or my granddaughter if I have a grandson or a granddaughter what what might their experience be that's quite a nice way of um, engaging with that whole what is to what if um, scenario so what 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 is my grandchild doing in in uh, in 60 70 years time and and what is the world that they're in how does it work um you know what what are the changes that have happened and and has it got better and if it did how did it get better i i find that quite a useful exercise can i look beyond myself you know i i, I going on podcast and talking about a book that i've written it feels like a bit of a uh you know stupid question to to um to ask in a way and I've really struggled with this whole thing in terms of who cares what I've got to say. But at the same time, I think that in so far as hope, in so far as a, a book like this might offer someone some hope, then uh, there is a, a meaning for it beyond beyond myself. And can I, can I look beyond my own needs? Can I look to a more holistic idea of what it means to be uh, human and 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 to contribute to something else? Um, so, you know, there are, there are questions, many, many questions all the way through, and I don't, don't want to sort of, um, bore, bore you with them all. Um, maybe the last one, uh, which relates back to a previous discussion that we had on this podcast is, do I have the courage to take a new path? Am I really going to be able to step into this idea of what a new world looks like? Uh, or am I going to, am I going to go back to water flowing downhill and, and, and seeking to stick with what I know? I love all of those, and in a, in a moment it'll be, be good to uh, have for you to kind of pick one of the poems that we can we can finish on. But before we we do that, I was kind of the thing that I sort of like about it, other than obviously sort of enjoying spending time thinking about those sorts of big questions, which uh, just sort of talks to my interest and age, but it's so important, you know, like in a way, you'd say actually. You'd say, oh, you know, almost apologetically. Oh, no, these are, you know, I put these are kind of big questions. But in a sense, you know, like particularly things around sort of climate, which I'm thinking of a, a good friend of mine. He's a professor of uh, climate science. And he and I talk and he was just sort of great insights on things and talking a lot about sort of emergence and how things and how things change. But the thing that I'm sort of struck by actually in a way is all of these things, you know, it not being about solutions, right? In a sense, like it not being about solutions. And what I'm kind of feeling from your writing, this kind of invitation to question, the invitation to reflect, the invitation to get actually on things which are in a way sort of, you know, the only and most important things like, you know, loneliness and being not feeling isolated, my ability or kind of uh, opportunity to connect, to have conversation with others, to to feel a kinship with others is such a kind of important thing. And the thing which was coming up for me as you were talking about your writing is, and, you know, feeling quite a, an inspiring thing is that in a way it comes, 
down to values is the thing which is sort of coming out is what I'm sort of taking from this somewhat and and with that I was kind of reminded of um, a conversation I had uh, I don't know if you know Dan Burgess he was on my podcast he and uh, I actually did a, a a program that he ran which was a group program which was also around writing that, which was based on some work that they had done he and some other collaborators which was about uh, I think it's called Stories for Life I can't actually remember I need to I'll, I'll double check exactly what it's called and put the notes in put it in the in the show notes but it's sort of talking a lot uh, to very similar ideas to the Throughtopia thing which is the kind of dominant narratives in the culture are you know ones of conquering nature uh, you know the good versus bad you know me fighting something out there and kind of winning it but of course you know it's the these are sort of reinforcing the ideas of competition they're reinforcing the idea of conquering nature even you know not in a you know even oftentimes in a you know with what I'm sure was kind of right you know right and positive intent but actually this idea that somehow this thing needs to be beaten it needs to be kind of tamed uh, and the work that they were doing was kind of sort of seeding the idea actually the, the role that story and storytellers could play uh, given it is the you know the lens through which we see the world as you've spoken to the role that storytellers can play to help kind of reseed that to to recraft that and um, he had a, a three-month um, kind of project where there was a group of about 40 of us all, all together working on the some of these ideas and I remember at the closing ceremony of that uh, Dan sort of shared a little bit of his you know his, his kind of sadness and frustration and struggle at having spent you know 20 years as he articulated it um, 20 odd years trying to kind of change this thing like what you know what had felt for him since you know for 20 years this climate emergency as he first felt it you know he described when he first kind of fell through the kind of trapdoor and then there was no seeing anything else essentially and that being a, a kind of moment for him some 20 odd years ago and all of his work all of his energy all of his kind of life since then has been trying to help other people see that and then change it and then this sort of despair and despondency which has sort of bubbled up when this realization that actually it's not changing all of this work is not sort of doing anything. And um, the kind of sort of struggle that comes with that somewhat. But of course, in a way, what she didn't articulate, but in a way, the thing that comes from the struggle is the sort of letting go. But the, the story I'd shared with him afterwards was um, around the same sort of time I'd been on a, um, a Buddhist meditation retreat for a few weeks. And I was listening to one of the stories that one of the main teachers there, who is this very humorous uh, monk called Ajahn Suchito, a teacher, and he was talking about this story of um, he, he's part of what is called the, the Thai Forest uh, Monastery Network. There's like 300 of these uh, monasteries all around the world, you know, four continents, 10 countries, thousands of sort of monks and people doing all this important work. And he was talking about the, the guy who heads the, the network. Right. And uh, so the abbot. But I was really kind of sort of struck by this sort of story because he was talking about this abbot and how this abbot can deal with, you know, what would be a constant stream of demands on his time, right? Um, with this total ease and unflusteredness and unbusyness, whilst he didn't say, but my sort of, you know, clearly no iPhone, imagine no iPhone, no constant stream of emails. He's, you know, no armies of support people, just this man, simple man in a simple hut in Thailand, you know, basically marshalling this entire network. And as a sort of just a little thought experiment, I 
put that to a few people I know who work in business, in kind of the air quotes, and saying, like, can you imagine the CEO who is at the top of this organization? It spans four continents, 10 countries, you know, 300 subsidiaries all reporting into him, thousands of people doing some of the most kind of emotionally taxing work possible, yet doing it without emails, without an army of secretarial support. You know, would you like to learn from that guy? To which everyone says, yes, obviously. And it's like, well, actually, he's a monk and he's the abbot of this monastery network. But anyway, that bit aside, one of the the principles that that whole network had been has been founded on, and it's a 50, 60-year-old network now, are two things. And the, the principles from the very, very beginning, the first teacher who founded it, the principles were personal responsibility and community awareness. And everything from this place, personal responsibility, but community awareness. And it, it, he kind of, uh, he, he demonstrated this story by explaining when the um, when the monastery in the UK was set up, the, the UK version of it, or uh, subsidiary, uh, to borrow the language, uh, Ajahn Chah, who was the teacher, and this was in the 1970s, came over uh, with two of his sort of monks who worked with him, who were both uh, British uh, by birth. And um, they came over to sort of explore to see whether having a monastery in the UK made sense. And so they came over and at the end of the trip, Ajahn Chah says to uh, Ajahn Sumedho, who was the, the monk, yep, I think this would be this would be a good place to, to have a monastery. Uh, I'd like you to stay here uh, and set the monastery up. And um, so good luck. You know what to do. Keep in touch. And then basically leaves him there to just set up the monastery. And the reason I like that is the story that speaks to this idea, because the idea that they're talking to and working to is personal responsibility, but community awareness, that everything starts here, you know, pointing again to to myself or to oneself. Everything starts in our heart. Everything starts here. How I engage with the world, how I respond to the world. This, you know, this determines our kind of values, the extent to which, you know, the the conversation we might have, the flavour of that conversation, how I might respond to family, how you might respond to the family at large. These kind of ideas as a sort of guiding practice. And the reason I share all of that is I shared it with Dan after he was talking about the despair. And I was sort of saying that in a way... What he'd spent 20 years trying to do is trying to kind of, you know, from a kind of place of a kind of fear and wanting to change things, I'm going to try and fix things. I'm going to help you understand it's like this. But of course, we can't do that, whatever the intention. All we can really do, and it, like, as I, I was saying for him, actually, he is embody, embodying the spirit of those two values of personal responsibility and community awareness. He knows his kind of route to this work. He knows the values by which he is responded to. And he's doing the work of bringing people together to have space to kind of sort of think and write and explore that. And in a way, maybe actually it's the birthing of these new values uh, or, or re-understanding, re-engaging with some of these values, which your questions talk to too, which is the route through, which is the kind of the 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 kind of throughtopia path somewhat. Yeah, I think it's it's not about solutions. It's about how we show up and and we have a responsibility for how we show up as individuals. And then we have uh, an awareness of community. And at the moment that those two things happen, then the solutions fall into place. Um, and they fall into place from below. They fall into place from a, from a, a bottom-up uh, perspective, but they also fall into place from a top-down perspective because a leader who puts themselves in that mindset, they treat the... Uh, the the systems that they potentially have control over the levers on very very differently at the point where where that's the mindset. So you know if if there was a if there was a single thing that I could do 
right now, if there was a button I could press to change anything, it would not be to remove uh, 200 parts per million of, of, um, of carbon from the atmosphere. Uh, it would be to change mindsets. You know, if you could change as many uh, mindsets as you could, then almost all the, the, the fundamental um, motivations to destroy the, 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 the world that we live in would melt away immediately. And I'll kind of remind, I, I, I referenced uh, my friend Dom, uh, the climate scientist, but we sort of talk about, in a way, that work to change mindsets happened by kind of sharing those questions, questions like you're doing, having conversation, being in, being in community, being in conversation, being in discussion. That is where these things, telling stories. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, totally. And that's, that's, that's where that, all, that work would always have been done in, um, you know, in, in cultures uh, gone by the the work of the of the storyteller is to uh, to communicate those values and to communicate the culture across time you know and and potentially we've we've lost that idea that stories are culture but but they are you know and uh, and and it, it, i i think that's a beautiful thing so on that note which story would you like to leave us with i'm going to read a poem um called we share a dream we share a dream. You know it too, my friend. There's light beyond our common fear. This is not the end. We share a dream. A city full of trees. Ice building on the mountain peaks. Birdsong on the breeze. Farms full of life and soil rich as gold. The wealth we stand to gain if we let nature take a hold power in our hands and constantly renewed sun wind and raging river will light this world anew we share a dream you know it too my friend there's light beyond our common fear this is not the end there is a fire inside you too my friend the common thread of our desire a flame that will transcend this skin and bone, this moment held, this turning point from which we tell a tale of peace with every voice, regenerate with every choice, unleash the change in every soul, take up the threads and make this whole unraveled world a tapestry, the beauty you were made to be, the beauty of the grass, the tree, the birds in flight, the honeybee. Each ecosystem like each heart beat out this rhythm from the start. And so it will again, my friend. We share a dream. It's not the end. We share a dream. And we can make it true. The answers are all known to us. We know what we must do. This is the time to find the dream again. Let compassion rise inside us. And with that power exclaim, we are the world. We shall not sit and burn, each precious conscious being. It is time to take our turn. This skin and bone, this moment held, this turning point from which we yell a chant of peace with every voice, rebuild this world with every choice, unleash the change in every soul, take up the threads and make this whole miraculous unfolding dream the purpose of your every scheme. Reality is yours to choose. If all are one, we cannot lose. 
Each human being, like each heart, beat out this rhythm from the start. And so it will again, my friend. We have a dream. It's not the end. We will live in a world remade. Your dream and mine will never fade. The best of us will soon be seen. Because you and I, we share a dream. Yeah, the thing which was sort of coming up for me there is just the the kind of the importance and the opportunity of just of the little things. You know, this is, you know, it's about the stitching together of the little things, the little thing of writing the book, the little thing, or in your case, the, the, the little thing of, you know, the, the sum, you know, we are the sum of the interactions that we have, the sum of the conversations that we have, the, you know, the sum of all of these little things. Uh, and that was sort of something which was really sort of feeling as you were reading there. Yeah, I think... Uh we all have um a role and uh and and that's that's all really it's it's the same thing again in terms of how can we show up individually and try and fulfill that role and not uh be competitive about that or not use that for our own personal gain too much but step into something that that actually helps and that's hard, you know, it's not easy to find a route to that, but but it, it comes from you point to yourself, you know. Thanks, Richard. Where can people find your writing? So um, it will be available on uh, uh, the obvious places. So you'll be able to get hold of the book on, um, on, on Amazon, but also on various other places online. There, there is a website beyondthebrinkbook.com where you can pick up a copy uh, and the, the proceeds from the book are going to a couple of causes. So there is um, the Devon Environment Foundation, which is a local environmental charity to, to where I live. Um, and a pound from every book sold is going to Devon Environment Foundation. Uh, the rest of the, the money from the book is going to the Throughtopia uh, Writers Association to promote the, um, the, the writing of more of these stories that lead us uh, to, towards that future that we're proud to leave for future generations. Richard, thank you so much for sharing the book, for producing the book, for writing the book, and uh, talking to me about the book today. Thank you, Ben, for uh, giving me the opportunity to. It's a pleasure to, uh, to speak to you and I uh, appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening to that two-parter. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as ever, you know, if you enjoyed it, if you think it would be helpful, useful, interesting for somebody else, do please share it with them. Um, that is the lifeblood of this podcast, sharing it, not even widely. Um, find a friend, share it with them. Uh, and if you want to hear more, you're curious about these podcasts in general, look up peripheral-thinking.com. You'll find everything there uh, and you can sign up and I can tell you when new ones come out. Uh, but until next time, thank you and speak to you soon.